Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Reese. Oh, it's good to see you. you. can take your seats. Great to have guests with us, people who haven't been to church. I've seen so many new people, so many people I haven't seen for a while. It's good to see Matt and Joe Buck here. I saw Derek's golf mate. Anyone that plays golf is welcome in this church. I just want you to know that. And uh, so if you are new, if it's your first time or you haven't been for a while, We want to extend the warmest welcome. In fact, come on, church. Let's welcome everyone. So good to see you. Of course, all of our online family. In a couple of weeks' time, we've got a a guest for all the men. We're having a men's night. It's been a while coming, hasn't it, men? But the day has arrived, and we are bringing in the best for you. His name is Robert Ferguson. And he is a world-class preacher. He is very much a friend to Rich and I, something of a spiritual father. We, we get to catch up with him every couple of months on, on Zoom, and he is going to bring an insane word. So men, get this date in the diary for the Soul Brothers. And all the men who are coming, give me a grunt. There we go. It's good. Sounded very primal, but it was good. Pastor John and Chantel send their love. Uh, they're not here this weekend, but they send their love as always. And we've just, we're finishing in this session an amazing series called Wisdom. How many people have done dumb things this week? How many people have thought dumb things? It's been amazing when, when you talk about dumb things you do. People keep coming to me telling me all the dumb things they've done. It's great. And uh, the idea of this message is we want you to move away from wisdom into wisdom. And so, who's hungry for God to give you some wisdom from his word? Who thinks this book is the best book to get wisdom from? So, why don't we stand and pray? I know you just sat down, but it's all good. Come on, let's open our hearts. Father, we honor this book. It's not just any book, it's your book. God breathed and through this book you speak to our hearts speak to our minds and you change our lives and so as we open this book would you breathe again and speak life into every single heart those that need it those that are hungry for it those that have never heard from this book I pray today would be the day in Jesus name and everyone said a very dignified Amen. amen you can take your seats 1993, I started working for the YMCA here in Norwich, an organization lots of us love, and I was a pastoral care worker in a local school. And in this particular school, one month before I started work, very tragically, a 12-year-old girl who had been a a long-term victim of bullying, very tragically, she took her own life. And as a result, when I went into the school, the first thing that the school asked 
me to do was to do a whole school anti-initiative, uh, anti-bullying initiative. How do you think that's a good thing to do in schools? And I launched this initiative at an assembly. Now this was my first whole school assembly. You remember how scary they were, Joy? And if you've never done a whole school assembly, it is petrifying. Where are all the teachers? Let's give it up for all the teachers, all right? And so I wanted to make, I wanted to make it good. So I put a lot of time and preparation into this assembly. And I kicked off by bringing a big fat book. It was called the Guinness Book of Weaponry. And it traced the history of weaponry from clubs and catapults all the way through to the nuclear bomb. And I talked about August 1945 when the fat boy bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. And I showed a picture of the bomb that was dropped. And I talked about the fact that when it exploded 190 feet above the city of Hiroshima, the temperatures reached 1 million degrees Celsius. How many know that's hot? People watching 10 miles away said that the blast was brighter by 10 times than the sun. Instantly, 140,000 people lost their lives. 100,000 sustained injuries. All of the nurses and doctors were instantly killed. There was no one to help. When I told that story, it went very quiet in the assembly. And then I said, but I brought along this morning a weapon that has killed more people in history, destroyed more lives than even a nuclear bomb. And the kids were like, I said, would you like to see it? Would you like to see it? The weapon that has destroyed more lives than any other weapon in history. It has. Some of you know what this is. It is a tongue. Look at that beauty. It is a cow's tongue. It's not a human tongue. But look, it's furry and everything. I'm a farmer's boy, so I don't mind this. But in the assembly, I went around and we're putting it in the kids' faces. How would you fancy kissing that? And it was great. It got their attention. But the truth is, more people's lives have been destroyed by the tongue than any other weapon. The Bible says in Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. If you've got a tongue, just check, make sure you have. You can use that tongue to build up. Oh, you are so helpful. That's my daughter. Stand up, just show everyone. Isn't she gorgeous? I hope that was just water that was on the inside of those gloves because it was rough. It absolutely stinks. We defrosted it too early. But anyway, your tongue has the power 
of life and death. It can build up or it can tear down. It can help people or it can hurt people. It produces fruit that nourishes or poisons. We're capable of both, death and life, from the same tongue. Which are you using yours for? This week, for death or for life? As part of this research for this message, I listened to a podcast and they talked about the origin of this phrase. Has the cat got your tongue? How many have heard that phrase? It means, why are you quiet? Why have you suddenly gone silent? Has the cat got your tongue? But what I didn't know, and there's a few different theories, but the most popular theory is that this phrase came from ancient Egypt. And in ancient Egypt, cats were sacred. And so you'll, you'll see that there were cat goddesses. I think we have a picture of one of them. I think her name is Bastet. And she was half cat and half human. And she often had lots of kittens around her. And here's where the statement comes from, has the cat got your tongue? If you went to wage war in ancient Egypt and you fought against the Egyptians and they captured you, here's what they'd do. They would cut out your tongue. Now that was very common in the ancient world. But what was unique about Egypt is they fed your tongue to the cats in the king's household. Has the cat got your tongue? So the title of my message is simply this. Has the cat got your tongue? Did the enemy take a hold of you? and stop you from using your tongue to speak life. Because that's what God wants for you. So let me give you some wisdom for your words. Wisdom for your tongue. Here's number one. All of these taken from my life. Number one, we're not as encouraging as we think we are. We're not as encouraging as we think we are. I was teaching uh, a number of students in Australia and afterwards I was teaching them on the power of encouragement and afterwards my wife always gives me feedback and it's always really helpful and she told me the things I did well and the things I should change and then after she'd given me the feedback she looked at me with those beautiful big hazel eyes and she said just remember that you need to encourage me too <laughs> yeah exactly and I got a little bit shirty about that. I thought, I'm a, re I'm a really encouraging guy and I'm a good husband. I said, I'm always encouraging you. To which she looked at me and said, well, when was the last time you encouraged me? And so I went, well, well, the last time I encouraged you was, and I drew a blank. I actually couldn't think the last time. Because the cat, had got my tongue. So when it comes to those you love, when was the last time you encouraged them? Or has the cat got your tongue too? Proverbs 10:11 says, "The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life." If you will look at the people closest to you, 
Do they look like a garden that's flourishing or a desert that's barren? Is your tongue a fountain of life to those around you? You know, sometimes it's, it's not the words we say that are most powerful. It's the words we don't say. Has the cat got your tongue? That was number one. Are you still, still with me? Give me a smile. Oh, you're all very quiet now. Number two. Number two, you'll like this one. Have you learned to speak without being offensive and listen without being defensive? It's a good one, isn't it? I like that one. Benny, do you like that one? You girls in the front row, you're awesome. You're like encouraging me. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note. I love this. Thousands of years ago, James was saying, take note. Get your iPad out. Make sure this one lands. Wives, give your husbands a little nudge because they might need to hear this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Be slow to become angry. Don't be reactive. Don't be defensive. How do we do this? By being quick to listen and slow to speak. Before speaking, do this. Wait. Stop and think before you speak. And then ask yourself this question. Why am I talking? Do I really need to talk at this moment or do I need to listen? God gave you how many ears? How many mouths? How do you know if you talk too much? Let's do a little test. Some of you are thinking you're talking too much. Hey, I have to, it's my job, all right? All right, here's a couple of... Little self-evaluation. You ready for this? Do you finish people's sentences for them? Do you speak over people when they're talking? Someone said, yeah. I like it. That's honesty. Here's a good one. Men, do you speak over women? Do you do that in meetings? Or you're talking to a couple, husband and wife. The wife will start the story. The husband will jump in and finish it. And then he'll say, oh, I'm so sorry. And she'll say, no, go ahead. You finish it. Now, if you didn't pass that test, can I give you a scripture? that will help you, all right? This is for all the talkers. Here we go, Proverbs 10, 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. How many thinks that's a word of wisdom for some people? Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. I'm gonna picture this appearing on fridges underlined all over Norfolk. Have you learned to speak without being a offensive and listen without being defensive. Number three, wisdom for your words. Every conflict takes you to a crossroads. 1994, Rachel and I haven't been married long, one year, and we own one car, a little white Fiesta, and we live in Fretnam, 
She works in Aylsham and she's a physio. She takes the car. And I live in the city, so I get a lift or I ride the bus. And it goes pretty well until one night I have an exam. I'm studying counseling and I have an exam and it's at 7 p.m. So I'm pretty good on time, so I know that I'll need to leave at 6.30 to be ready for my exam. So I say to Rach, whatever you do, make sure the car is back by 6.30. She says, yeah, of course. And uh, 6.25, I'm out the front, ready to rock and roll. Where are all my early people? All right, you're with me. You're ready to go at 6.25. 6.27, no sign of her. 6.30, she's not there. Can't see her, can't smell her, and... Uh, <laughs> The pulse is beginning to race. 6.35, Airport Steve has made an appearance. I am losing it on the inside. 6.40, she arrives and looks at me with shock and suddenly she remembers. She apologizes, gets out of the car quick. I ignore her, I blank her, I jump in, I spin the wheels and fly out of the drive. Sorry, Margaret, you used to live in Fretnam. I hope I didn't upset you. But I drove along school road and I'm thinking all the reasons she's out of order. Why should she, I never do this to her. Have you ever done that kind of stuff? 6.41, I pull up at that little junction in Fretnam, Margaret, and I have to stop to see if this car's coming. The Holy Spirit says, where are you going? And I say, I've got an exam. He says, what's it on? <laughs> Do you want to know what it was on? Couple counseling. <laughs> That's it. That's all he needed to say. And I'm there at a crossroads. Now I've got a decision to make. Will I keep going or turn back? Thanks to the Holy Spirit only, I turned back. I drove back into the house, looked Rachel in the eye and said, I'm sorry. That was rude and it was ignorant. And she said, I'm sorry for being late. You know, in your marriage, you'll come to a crossroads every day where you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to pour water or petrol? Are you going to react or respond? The way of wisdom or the way of wisdom? Are you going to allow a molehill to become a mountain? Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Listen to this, those who love it will eat its fruit. 30 years on, I am eating the fruit in my marriage of the words I've spoken for the last 29 years. Thank God we've got a great marriage because we learned to discipline our tongue. And saying those little words, I'm sorry, are incredibly powerful. Every time we train up a couple for marriage and we do their wedding prep, we get them to turn to each other and say, I'm sorry. 
The reason we do that is because you're going to have to say it hundreds, if not thousands of times. So why don't we turn to the person next to us, look them in the eye, and say, I'm sorry. Go on, do it. Try it. It's great. It's not that hard. All right, come back. You don't need to go through all of it. All right, back, back to Steve. Love it. Number three, every conflict takes you to a crossroads. Number four, little phrases can have a huge impact. Some simple phrases are really easy to pronounce but very difficult to say. I'm sorry is one of them. Let me give you another one. I love you. I can't tell you how many men I've met that are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, and they tell me this. They say, my father never, ever told me they love me. 50 years on. These were good men, godly men even. But they were never able to say those simple words, I love you. Because the cat can easily get your tongue. When was the last time, fathers, you said to your kids, I love you? Not for anything they've done. When Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and a voice from heaven, it was the voice of the Father and he said this, he said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Question, what had Jesus done? What had he accomplished? He hadn't healed anyone, hadn't preached to anyone, hadn't started a church. Because what's really important is that your kids hear that you love them, not for what they've done, but for who they are. I love you. Easy to pronounce, but it can be very difficult to say. So make sure this week you tell your kids you love them. There's one week left at school for most of you. Why not write it in their lunchbox? when they go off. So little phrases can have a huge impact. Number five. You still with me? Number five. Life is short. Leave nothing important unsaid. I love to find scriptures that when I first look at them, I think, what on earth does that mean? But then you dig a little deeper and you think, whoa, that's awesome. Does anyone else love that or is that just me? Lots of you do. This is one of them, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 2. It says this, better to go to the house of mourning, by the way, that's a funeral, than to the house of fe feasting, that's a wedding. Better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting, for that's the end of all men and the living will take it to heart. What does that mean? How can it be better to go to a funeral 
than a wedding. Now, I love a good wedding. Weddings are great, aren't they? People dress up, great food, you know, best men's speeches, especially when it's the Hollinger boys, they give brilliant speeches at their weddings. But sometimes when I come away from a wedding, I, I can't help feeling that, you know, things are a bit surfacey. It's about the way people look and the way people dress and the quality of the food. And, you know, some weddings I absolutely love, they're way more meaningful. But as a pastor, you get to go to a lot of funerals, a lot. And almost without fail, when the funeral is over, I'm walking back to my office, I think about the things that really matter in life. The things that shaped a person, family, love. And you can't help but walk away from a funeral feeling that. On two occasions living in Australia, I thought I was losing one of my parents. Once I was told my dad was going to die and I got on a plane 24 hours, but he survived, thankfully. Another occasion, we thought my mom was going to die. She was slipping away. I got on a plane and thankfully she didn't die. But then five years ago, my dad did die and I watched him die on FaceTime and spoke at his funeral. And here's what I've learned. Life is short. It can go like that. Therefore, leave nothing unsaid. Don't wait till somebody dies and they're in a casket here till you tell them how much you love them and how much you value them. Don't let the cat get your tongue to those that you love the most. The last service, people showed me texts that they'd sent to loved ones who they hadn't spoken to for a long while. Who do you need to have coffee with? And make sure nothing is left unsaid. Number seven. I like this one. Good. I was just checking to see whether you're listening. <laughs> What did you say it was? Six? Good. It's the words we allow in us that ultimately define us. The reality is in life, many, many words will be spoken over you. And they may shape you. But ultimately, it's the words you allow in you that will define you. Ships don't sink because of water. It's not the water that surrounds them. It's the water that gets in them that sinks them. What words are you allowing into your life? Giving permission to define you. Because words contain the power of life and death. And the enemy is constantly seeking to bring death and destruction into your life. John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except, never seen that word till today, except to steal and kill and destroy. 
The enemy has one simple agenda to deceive, defeat, and destroy people. And that includes you. That's why it's so important that you're not ignorant of his devices and you don't allow his words to get in you. Say, Steve, how do I know if the enemy has got in me? Here's one way. Look at the way you speak to yourself. Some of life's most important words are the words that you speak to yourself internally. And for some of you, the worst words spoken over your life are spoken to you by you. Question, would you stay friends with someone who speaks to you like your inner voice does? Let me say that again. Would you stay friends with someone who speaks to you like your inner voice does? You're no good. You'll never amount to anything. Nobody will ever love you. You're such a failure. The good news is you don't have to allow those words to define you. Why? Because there's another source that speaks, another voice that speaks. And according to the rest of John 10, 10, it says, but I have come that you might have life and that you will have it more abundantly. I love that. Jesus said in John 6, 63, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. It doesn't matter what any other person tells you, they can't fix that inner problem. But he goes on to say that I have spoken to you and they are spirit and they are life. 1 John 2 verse 14. Look at this, especially all the young men. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. I love that God's works speak strength over us. Why, why, why are they strong? It says the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Do you want to be strong men? You've got to get the word of God to abide in you. Not wash over you, not switch off and listen to the golf or the cricket while the word of God is going forward. It's got to get in you. It's got to abide in you. It's got to make its home in you and indwell in you. It does. And if it does, it then says you'll overcome the evil one. What's the key to overcoming the evil one? To have his word abiding in you. Then lastly, whatever point it is, because I haven't got a clue. Seven? That's a good number. Seven. Seven. Here we go. Number seven. The team comes. The most powerful words you will ever speak, ever speak, are God's words. They're God's words. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12. Still with me, everyone? It ends well. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Guys, we are in a fight. We are in a battle. Do not be ignorant of it. Life, abundant life, doesn't just fall in your lap. It says, fight the good fight and lay hold 
of eternal life. Again, this is, this is Paul, the old warrior, saying to young Timothy, man, sometimes, Timothy, it gets hard. Life doesn't seem fair. People can be mean and nasty, but sometimes you've got to fight the good fight of faith. It's not MMA. It's not boxing. This is not a street fight. It's the fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. You say, Steve, how do I do that? It says to which you were called. God called you to be a fighter, to be a warrior. And it says, and you've confessed the good confession. Not the bad confession. The good confession. And Paul uses a word here, which I've shared with you before. It's really powerful. If you're new to church, the Bible, the New Testament was originally written in which language? Greek, panos, all right? It was written in Greek. And Paul uses a word for confession. It's this word, homo legeo. Now, you might recognize some of that. It's actually two different Greek words. Homo as in homogenous. It means the same. Legeo is logos from which we get the word or logic. So homo legeo, it means what? There's three definitions on the slide. Number one, to say the same thing. Same thing as what? Same thing as what God says. Homo legeo means the same word. Whatever words are in God's mouth, you've got to put the same words in your mouth. Homo legeo, you speak His words. And these words are the most powerful words you'll ever speak. It says to declare the same word. Not to whisper it, to declare it, to speak it aloud. Not meditate on it. It says to declare the good confession. There's something powerful that happens when you declare God's word. And then lastly, to pray or to celebrate. You know, there's something very powerful about praise. I haven't talked about praise for probably two years. But something happens when you declare God's Word and you praise. You've got to get God's Word in your mouth and you've got to get praise in your heart. Let me show you why. Psalm 8 verse 2 says, Out of the mouths... Babes, nursing infants, little ones. Just kids can do this. Out of the mouths of birth, babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. That word in Hebrew can also be translated praise, and in some translations it is. You've ordained Praise. God has ordained that even kids can praise. In our soul kids, we're not just babysitting kids. We are raising champions and warriors for God that know how to praise God. Why? Why is this so important? It says because of your enemies. Because you have enemies too. And they, they'll come again. They'll come against you, 365. For some of you, they've come at you this week in your business, in your family, in your marriage. 
Because of your enemies, God says, I have ordained praise that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. I don't know about you, but I would like to have the power to silence the enemy when he tries to speak to me. You say, how do I do it? It's when you learn to praise. When his word is in your mouth, when praise is in your heart, you silence the foe and the avenger. You push him back. Even kids can do it. You might be a baby Christian. You might be new to faith. Let me tell you, when you learn the power of praise, you will learn to break through in areas of your life you've never been able to break through. You can see addictions break off. Why? Because when you praise God, you silence the foe and the avenger. I love it. We're in a battle. All of us. Come on, who of you knows right now in your life you're in a battle? Put your hand. My hand is the first up. I'm in a battle. My mom is in a hospital bed. She's been there for nearly a month. Can't move her legs. Paralyzed from the waist down. Doctors have tried everything. As a family, we're in a battle. Some of you online, a couple of weeks ago, we were in upstate New York. Cheryl and Gary, they're in a great church there, but they listen to Soul Church every single week. They were quoting my sermons at me in upstate New York. And you're in a battle with cancer. We want you to know we're standing with you. We're standing with everyone online. Whoever's in a fight right now, you've got to get his word on your lips and you've got to get praise in your heart. You're in a battle for hell for your marriage. You've got to learn to fight. You've got to make sure the cat doesn't get your tongue in this area of your life. Who's ready to do a bit of fighting today? Let's look at what the Bible says about God's Word. In, in Ephesians 6, it tells us that once we've done everything we can, some of us, we've, we've tried everything we know to do. It says, having done all to stand. So come on, let's stand. You've tried it naturally. Why don't we try it spiritually? It says, having done all to stand and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God has given you weapons. And the greatest weapon you can use is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It says in Hebrews 4.12, the Word is living and powerful. This is alive. It's a powerful Word. In Romans 2, Romans 10, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God is building faith in your hearts. Isaiah 55 tells us that the Word that goes out from His mouth, it will not return empty. It will accomplish everything that God desires. That's what His Word does. Psalm 107.20 says He sent out His Word and He healed them. We're not going to let the enemy capture 
adventurers. We're not going to let him defeat us. We're not going to let him take our tongues. Come on, church. Let's believe his word. Let's proclaim his word. Let's speak his word. Come on, let's sing. So I was praying for this service. One of the things which I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me is that there are people listening to me and there was a time when you used to do these things in your home. You used to memorise God's Word. You used to put it up around the place. You used to confess God's Word, but maybe you've drifted back. Maybe you've got lazy. And I believe God's wanting to stir up a revival in our church. And it's not a revival that starts here. It's a revival that starts in our homes. It starts when we get this Word and we speak His Word. It starts when we begin to crank up worship in our homes. You watching online, get it in your home. Get it in your car. Let's take Jesus to our streets. Let's take it to our homes. Come on, one more time. Let's sing it together. do something a little different and if you're new to church this might be very new to you but it's okay you can just you know stand with a couple of people and what I'd love us to do is to turn into twos or threes and I'd love you in twos and threes just to say one thing you'd love to pray for in your life and I want the other people that are standing around you just to pray. Because I think there's an atmosphere in here. There's a power in here. And you might feel weak, but those around you can bring their strength and start to declare God's Word and answers over your situation. So if you are new and you don't feel comfortable, just tell them what you'd like prayer for or say, look, I'm, I don't feel good. But the rest of us, come on, let's be the church for a couple of minutes. I'd like you to turn in twos and threes. Just tell people what you can do with some prayer for. And then come on, church, let's pray for a couple of minutes. Let's really take authority. And then we're going to come back. Love it. Come on, you pray. You speak the word. You speak his name. for 30 seconds more you keep praying you pray online too 30 more seconds keep declaring his word
Father, your word says, if two or three shall agree on earth concerning anything that we ask, it shall be done by my Father who is in heaven. So Lord, I speak breakthrough. I speak answers. I speak the miracle working power of God into every circumstance. word earlier says shut up and listen so we're going to do that for a moment we're going to shut up and listen to what he wants you to do this week some of you are at a crossroads you don't know which way to turn your business and your family you're just going to pause and wait Ask the Holy Spirit to whisper to you what you need to do in your situation. So Lord, we open ourselves to you. Say, speak. Your servants are listening. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd give us the courage to do everything you've just asked us to do. That person that came to mind, that loved one we need to speak to. If we need to create an altar afresh in our living rooms. Whatever it is, Lord, give us the courage to do it. It's one more group of people I would love to pray for. Maybe you're new to church and this is your absolute first time in a church like this. And you know that the presence of God is here, you can feel it. The other thing you know is you're not right with God and you need to be. Saying, Steve, how do I get right with God? It's actually really easy. You invite him in to live on the inside. When Jesus comes in, here's what he does. He forgives you of all the dumb things you've ever done. Your sin. And he washes it away and he gives you a new start. And he says, from today on, I'm going to help you live with my wisdom, my strength. And if you will open yourself up to him and allow him to come in, he will do that. He'll forgive you and he'll give you a new start. It's the most important step you'll ever make. It starts with a decision. This morning you're at a crossroads. What will you choose? Maybe you once walked with God. You made that decision. But if you're really honest, today you're a million miles from God. You've gone back to doing your own thing. And you know that you need Him. The good news is, if you'll pray that prayer, if you'll invite him in, he still loves you, friend, and he'll come right back into the center of your life. So at the end of every service, we pray this simple but powerful prayer where we allow people to get right with God. We're not going to call you forward. We're not going to embarrass you, but we would love to pray for you. So here's what I'm going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, if you want to be included in that prayer, if you want to get right with God, 
you're at a crossroads. And I'm going to ask you simply just to slip up your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. Then you can pop it back down and we'll all pray together. So whether this is the first time or you're coming home all across this room, from the youngest to the oldest, those of you watching online, if you want to get right with God, when I count to three, you raise your hand. Everyone else, just bow your head and close your eyes. This is your moment, friend. He loves you. Are you ready? One, two, three. That's it. Just lift it up. Thank you. 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 It's beautiful. Thank you, sweetheart. Hands going up all over. So why don't you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. To forgive all my sin and failures. So I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for you. Amen. Father, I want to thank you that you see every hand and every heart. And right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you come in and give people the assurance that they will never be the same again as they follow you for the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Why don't we put our hands together? Congratulate everyone that just made that life-changing decision. And those of you online. Guys, there's three important steps for each of you, especially if you're in the room, is number one. We would love to give you a gift. It's the Gospel of Mark. It tells you all about Jesus. You've just taken the first step. And you've got many steps ahead following Jesus. We want to help you. And this book will teach you how to be more like Jesus, to be a follower. And so our team, you can see them are going to the back. And as you leave the building, they'll be standing there. They have come to meet you. So just go up to them and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. Even if you've already got a Bible, just get this one to mark this day. It's the start of it. It's a new chapter in your life. The other thing is come back to church. If you're from another, if you're visiting and you're from another part, we can help you get connected, but keep going to church. And then lastly, if you are from here, in September, we'll be restarting an amazing course called Follow Jesus. We just finished it last week. It's been amazing helping people learn the basics of what it means to follow Jesus. Get yourself signed up. Get in there. We just want to help you be a follower of Jesus. We are absolutely thrilled for you. So one more time, let's congratulate all of those people. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.